So philosophers. Philosophers. So, Joe, why do you think beliefs matter? That's a good question, David. It's such a good question that I think it should be the topic of today's video. Hmm. That almost sounds planned. It almost does. So, why beliefs matter? I guess we should begin where we always begin and talk definitions. Mm -hmm. What is a belief? Um, well, formally, I've got three definitions that are formal definitions of belief. And I think they're all interesting because they are different in, I think, key ways. Uh, formally, a belief is an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. The second definition is something one accepts as true or real, a firmly held opinion or conviction. And lastly, trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. So those were interesting definitions, and they all showed up, you know, when I went to Yale Webster's online, they were all listed as possible definitions, but they're very Not different. going to the Oxford, what are you doing? Eh. You'd think I would be the one going to the Oxford. I know, else. considering you drink tea. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. To be totally honest with you, I just Googled definition of belief. Uh, yeah, that makes that sense. Up, so. uh, the, the definition I pulled up on the Oxford earlier was uh, something that someone holds to be true, especially without evidence, which I found interesting. That's really interesting. That's talking more about that good old faith thing that people use to arrive at a belief. Right. But that's not what today's topic's about. I, I guess I guess maybe the reason that definition is stated that way is because when you have evidence for something, you normally don't say, well, I believe this. Mm -hmm. Normally, believe implies opinion. Yeah. And if you have evidence for it, it's not really an, an opinion anymore. So I would like to propose a working definition for today. Okay. Uh, this is a very short definition, so feel free to qualify it as you so choose or reject it entirely. Um, the colloquial definition I've selected for today is an idea, concept, or thought that is held as true. By a person. Well, sure. Yeah. Can anything else well, hold a belief? I, I guess the, the way that's worded is kind of funny. Like, is an idea that is held as true, that almost, to me, it seems like... like uh, like society holds is true, but that doesn't really make sense. It's more like a, a meme. That's fair. I, I see what you're saying now. I, and, and the reason I went with that definition uh, more often, more so, is that I began thinking about, you know, it seems like beliefs are anything has the potential, any idea has the potential to be a belief. And it's only once that qualifier of accepting it as a truth or as a reality uh, that it becomes a belief and is not just any any old idea. Um, it also implies that there's a process by which you know an idea becomes a belief. Um, so that's kind of why I went with the definition because it really did start kicking me down the road of thinking about this topic more. Um, so I guess to modify the uh, to modify the colloquial definition we'll work with today is um, beliefs are concepts, ideas, thoughts that an individual holds as true or uh, as a reality. Okay, a reality. Well, sure, sure. The good, well, good enough, I guess. Sure. Now. We'll sure. get into truth. We'll get into truth. Shortly. True. Okay. So, um, first, I guess, in summation on the definition and what the definition implies, just to round this out, um, I, 
since we're going to talk about truth about it anyway, because truth seems to be uh, what we believe is true, which is kind of a weird way to phrase that now that we talked about that definition. Right, because if you believe it, you believe it's true. Exactly. Um, so, but by using the acceptance of an idea as truth, as, you know, our concept as the definition for belief, uh, the real question, I guess, kind of also gets brought into why truth matters as well. Sure. And uh, so, so if we want to talk about why truth matters, we should probably first establish what truth is. Exactly. So I think one one thing, tr the word truth has a little bit of baggage with it that I want to dispel. Sure. Um, so a lot of people who haven't really spent a whole lot of time thinking about the truth might uh, might think of the truth as some sort of ethereal, transcendent property of the universe or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a, a little bit of woo-woo, you know. <laughs> Oh, the, you know, the, the truth is out there. We just have to find it. Like, no, it's nowhere to be found. You can't find the truth. It's no not in a place. No telescope big enough will um, find the truth. Right. Or spaceship fast enough or whatever, you know. Sure. So, uh, now, this this idea about truth has sort of existed for a long time, uh, all the way back to the Greeks. Uh, so, Plato had his philosophy uh, called uh, called realism, which is now referred to as platonic realism, named after him, uh, where he asserted that abstract concepts that we think of, like the truth or numbers or things like that, really exist somehow. <laughs> um, because, hey, is there a number between one and three? Yeah, it's two. Okay, then two must exist. Okay. So, so let's... Let's think about this real quick. You know, okay, why, why, why can you say two exists? Like, what does it mean for two to exist? When a mathematician says two exists, they mean that in a highly technical way. Um, they don't mean that, you know, suppo suppose I possess two apples. If I put them together, there's two apples. But there's nothing two about them. Right. It's just, you know, two is a shorthand that we have for an apple and an apple. Um, you know, two, two doesn't mean anything without an object to apply it to. Um, so in that, in that sense, two doesn't really exist. It's just something we define. This is why we say mathematics is invented and not discovered. It's just a quality we ascribe to a set. Right. It's a, it's a label that we can put on things sure. to describe them. So there, there's nothing, there's no essence of two about anything. And in the same thing, there's no essence of truth about something. Um, truth really is a uh, is a label that we put on things to communicate something. Um, so, and there, there's lots of ways to think about truth. Um, you know, the the classical definition is uh, well, if we want to talk about whether something is true, you know, you give me a proposition, and we can put one of two labels on it: true or false. Uh, because you know, if, if I say uh, you know, I had a uh, ham sandwich for lunch. Either I did or I didn't. Uh, so the, the truth value of that proposition is either true or it's false. Now, the problem with this is we don't know everything. So if I say somewhere in the world right now exists a green muffin, well, that might be true, but it might not be, and we're not about to go travel the entire world looking for it. 
and it might be gone by the time we get to wherever it was. Okay, so then some people propose a ternary truth system by which we have three values, true, false, and unknown. Okay. Um, and then you're probably familiar with fuzzy logic, mm -hmm. which is where we have degrees of confidence about something. And so we might then arbitrarily decide if we have you know, more than 70% confidence, we'll just call it true. But you know, really, we're, we're, we're dealing with confidence levels based on lots of different uh, things we can compute with. Sure. Um, so you know that that's it puts truth on a spectrum. But let's not get confused here. Truth, there there is only one truth. Either there is a green muffin somewhere, or there isn't, whether we can know it or not. Right. So I guess in in this case, a working definition for truth is um, just how well a an assertion uh, conforms to the objective reality. Right. Um, and so and we may or may not be able to test propositions against reality to, to confirm their truth. Right. But we can believe them regardless. Sure. Um, so, so I guess I, that's, that's what I wanted to establish is that, that the truth is not some ethereal thing that can be found. It's just the, the set of true propositions. That's all it is. Right. If you say if you give a proposition and it's true, it's part of the truth. Okay. Which seems obvious, but I think it needed to be said. I agree. I think it's good to just go ahead and state it because it may not be it may be obvious because we've we've talked about truth before and we've right. looked into it ourselves. So um, however for the uninitiated it might not be quite so obvious. To to, to have an anecdote, I suppose, or an analogy, uh, you know, suppose you're a parent of uh, two daughters, okay. Uh, one older, one younger, and uh, they, you know, one of them comes running out uh, from the back room where they both were supposed to be playing, uh, and she's she's crying. The younger one's crying about something, and says, "Big sis hit me." Okay, but you don't know whether it actually happened. You can't see any marks or anything like that. Uh, so the the older sister comes in, and you ask, "What happened?" And uh, you're, or you you ask, "Did did you hit your little sister?" And, and the older sister, of course, denies it, as they do, as kids do. Mm -hmm. And you say, tell me the truth. That's what we mean. You know, we, the, you know the truth is just, it's, it's the, the things that are real. And so e either it, it, did, it did happen that she hit her sister, or it didn't. It's and the actual. Know. Right. Okay. All right. I, I'm... I... Perfectly in accordance with that um, in agreement. So I right. I believe that is correct. Okay, you believe that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that we've talked about what the truth is um, and and ways that we can think about the truth, how do we actually figure out the truth? Well, that's a good question because. Kind of blanking here. Hmm. Um, it's just a good question. Uh, we'll let you take the lead on this one. Okay. How do we figure out the truth? Well, there. I'll, I'll I'll start by being a bit generic and not give a real answer. There are lots of ways that people try to figure out the truth, and we call these belief systems, um, because as we already established, a belief is something you hold to be true. So, through one way or another, you decide how to evaluate whether a proposition is true. It may or may not 
if it's a good belief system, then these things will more often than not turn out to actually be true. And if it's bad, then you'll be believing a lot of false things. Um, now, there's one thing interesting here uh, that, that needs to be taken into account. Now, if, if, the, if the system by which you're developing your beliefs, which is the same as the, situ is the, same as the uh, uh, method by which you're determining the truthfulness or truth of something, right? Is that what we're saying? The, the way by which you conclude the truth of something. Sure. When you go to verify it, if you use the same truth system, like how can you verify a truth system if you're using that truth system? To oh, verify? okay. Like so, verifying itself. So let, let's think about the properties of a true claim or a true belief. Okay. A belief that's actually true. So suppose I believe that if I do something, then it will result in a particular consequence. Mm -hmm. Now, if what I think is true, if my belief is actually true, then every time that I do this action, the same consequence will occur. Every time. If ever I do this action and my expected consequence does not occur, we know conclusively my belief is, my belief is false. Or at least in the binary or the ternary sense. I think with fuzzy logic, you could still... No, I don't think so. I think really? if well, if I if I believe that doing A causes B every time. Okay, I see what you're saying. And I do A and it fails to bring about B, it's false. Okay. But what it's unknown, it might be unknown until we test it. If we're thinking about a ternary system, or I may have so and so a degree of confidence about whether it's true, but once it fails to produce that result, we know conclusively that it's false. Okay. Something so, that is true never turns up false. But okay, because yeah. we can't know the truth, you, know, you notice that nowhere in, that, in the properties of a true proposition did I say, here's how we figure out whether it's definitively true. We can't. Right. So I guess that leads us into another quality. Uh, hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's what you're saying now. I, I was trying to see how the system by which you determine the truthfulness of a belief how can you validate that system without using a different, like, would you use a different system to validate your method? Or do you it, use the result set of, you, you try the method out? Well, that depends on the belief system. Some belief systems may not have any real mechanisms of testing claims. Hmm. This clearly sounds dangerous, and I submit it is, but belief systems do exist in which you can accept uh, unfalsifiable claims. Okay. Well, now that we're starting to talk about falsifiable claims, I guess uh, what we're really talking about by developing uh, these truthfulness determination systems, I guess, or, or the systems by which we determine beliefs, mm -hmm. um, I, I, you can't help but bring to mind you know, the scientific method, for instance, sure. which I think in its core is what it, it strives to do is see, it seeks the truth as well. And it provides a step-by-step -step process that if followed has can bring out the truth or at least right. test the viability of the truth about or you know well right it's a it's a vigorous system by which claims can be tested and by applying it repeatedly we can find the cases in which our beliefs turn up false and by having our beliefs turn up false we actually end up learning more sure well you you can move closer to an objective truth by moving away from something that is certainly not an objective truth. Right. Is moving away from the opposite of such. Right. You know. Um, 
So if you're applying your development of beliefs uh, through the scientific method, uh, just to walk through what it would be like, um, taking the real scientific method and kind of you know, working through it, you, you, you begin with observation, which in some ways for uh, developing beliefs may not necessarily be a direct physical observation necessarily, but it could be something just like an idea or a thought that you, are, you either come up with or more likely that you're exposed to. So in that case, it would be an observation. Right. Right. And so the question then, uh, for us anyway, would be, okay, uh, this is just a thought or an idea or a concept. Now, I first need to decide whether or not I want to put it through the process to see whether or not I want to accept it as truth or accept it as a reality, which would then result in it becoming a belief of mine. Right. right. And once you move from there, uh, and remember, just, remember, we don't conclusively establish that it is truth or that it really sure. is an attribute of reality. Right. We just evaluate whether, whether, according to our belief system, we have good enough reason to accept it as a belief. Right. And so, uh, once you jump through that observation or you know initial uh, state, um, where, where the scientific method would then take you is you need to outline clearly what it is you're, you're trying to uh, verify. Uh, and in this case, you would take your assertion, you, you, would, you would make an assertion or a claim, conjecture or a hypothesis, you know, the, all of those words I feel like are pretty close yeah, to what we would try to do here, mm-hmm. about what you've observed. And so, uh, and I think this is where, this is the first point at which you begin seeing large divides in belief systems or the systems by which you develop your beliefs. Um, because you can't just make any assertion or any claim or conjecture or hypothesis, but you can make them. But you can kill the, in the scientific method, you can kill the process there by making a, like you'd already mentioned, an unfalsifiable claim or an unfalsifiable assertion, right? Like if you, if you are trying to develop a belief and at this point you make a claim that is not falsifiable, what is the point in continuing on to... It's dead in the water scientifically. Dead in the water scientifically, you know. But for other belief systems, that might be perfectly sufficient. Well, and indeed, in some belief systems, the entire core premise of the belief system is an unfalsifiable claim. Exactly. Um, so what? Uh, it's, not just unfal- it's not just falsifiability you have to worry about, though, with claims. Uh, there's also the concept of paradoxical claims as well, right? Um, where a claim by its own nature, uh, just cannot be true, right? you know, logically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other more nuanced ways by which your claim can be flawed. You know. uh, however, for the scientific sake, uh, your claim needs to be falsifiable and non-paradoxical for sure. Uh, and by that, you know, you, by what I mean of falsifiable is you, there has to be a scenario in which can be conceived that your claim is false. Or there has to be a set you know, measure to prove that it's well, false, right? The problem is not everyone would agree with that. Really? Well, people who hold people who use for themselves belief systems which have as a as a core tenet of the belief system an unfalsifiable claim. I, they would of course I, oh, disagree okay. that we should do away with unfalsifiable claims because that's the claim they very much want to protect. Right. So I think it's safe to say that because there are multiple ways of developing belief systems, they can't, they are discord, they, discordance exists between them. Right. Not always necessarily, and not in all way, not in every way. And but there may be overlap. Mm-hmm. There may be overlap, but 
and I think it's no secret that you and I use the scientific method as our way of developing beliefs. Right. So that's the one we, we're going to champion, at least. Sure. Well, I was, I was going to get into uh, why, why using the scientific method is a particularly good belief system. Sure. And we can get into that after we walk the rest of the way through it, I feel like. I just want to go ahead and clear up the definition of what we're talking about sure. when we talk about the scientific method. Um, after you've made your claim and you know, you've verified the claim as falsifiable, non-paradoxical, so on and so forth, uh, then you can move on and you know, experimentation occurs uh, concerning the claim or hypothesis in this case. Once the experimentation is complete, you collect and gather the data about the results. I'm kind of kind of banking back on my eighth grade science interpretation yeah. of scientific method, mm -hmm. which honestly, as far as most of the things I was taught that didn't hold up <laughs> into my college education, the, the education I was given on a seventh or eighth grade level about the scientific method actually held up pretty decently. Yeah. Because it's honestly, the scientific method is not that complicated. It's really not. And that's, that's the hard part is actually executing it. Exactly. Because um, you can just say, experiment. Okay. And then collect the data. It's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually doing, exp you, you know, you could actually put in other sub bullets as, okay, once you've hammered out your exact claim, then you have to develop the experiment that is tooled to that exact claim. Right, which when we get into things like particle physics, this becomes no trivial task. Really hard, you know. Uh, like, was it hydrogen decay is a good example of that yeah. when they do that experiment. All right, we're going to take this unstable hydrogen, we're going to throw it, and we're going to wait and see at what point it, you know, was it quark decay, is that what's called? I don't even know what you're talking I've, about. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's another separate thing. But, I mean, we've already, we've already gotten off on a, uh, on a difficult foot, which is how, how do I throw a hydrogen? Like, <laughs> Yeah, how, how does one throw hydrogen? A single hydrogen <laughs> nucleus. Not even the rest of the all of it, just the nucleus. It's a proton, like, yeah, basically. Okay, a proton. Or, no, 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 it's not hydrogen. A hydrogen okay. nucleus is a proton. Right, yeah, it also yeah. Has a but, but that reminded me, I was actually wrong about that experiment. It's actually neutron decay. You have to isolate a singular neutron and just chuck it and watch it. Do, you know, maybe do something to something else, and then well, you'll see. Actually, you have to throw it in a vacuum and wait because oh, it will actually decay into its quark set. Oh, I see. Okay. And they all do it, but the time at which they actually do it is unpredictable. Right. And that's an interesting thing. Or mm -hmm. we have not found the pattern yet. So that's right. Anyway, hard yeah. is hard. It's very hard. But once you've done that, you collect all that data and you accumulate it up, and then you draw your conclusion from that data based on your hypothesis, which um, I think then ties back into your uh, you know, your varying um, truth systems of you know binary ternary or fuzzy logic truths. I think you can there are there are claims that can be made that are binary. Some that can be made that would fit better in a ternary system, and others that would fit better in a fuzzy logic system. Would right. agree? You can mm -hmm. use any three of those systems. Right, and these are just logical rules that people made up to suit a problem that they're trying to solve. Right, and so you would pick one essentially and use it. It would be a part of your hypothesis, and then your result would actually come in and match, you know. Um, and then at that point, you know, this is where it kind of juts back into how we deal with accepting beliefs or not. And it's at this point where you, I think, could initially make, uh, you could initially take uh, something on as a belief. And did, was the res does this result set support the hypothesis? Yes or no or pretty much yes, or pretty much no, if it's like a fuzzy logic system, you know? Um, and if so, you, you accept it as a belief, and if not, you accept it, you uh, reject it as a belief. And I think uh, there could be some argument here about, well, what about the last step of the uh, scientific method, which is you essentially peer reviewing, like make your result, like 
make everything public so that it can be verified with against other people, and they can look, they can just be really, they can scrutinize every part of your uh, process and then try to poke holes in it or verify it by you know rigor. Um, I think it's actually okay to then accept something as a belief at the conclusion stage before it's been peer reviewed, personally, because I also don't necessarily believe that just because you've accepted something as a belief or you have a belief doesn't mean that you always have to have that belief. Correct. Like, that goes back yeah, to our it's first It's perfectly episode. fine to accept a belief as long as you have, well, scientifically speaking, as long as you have defined conditions by which the belief can be falsified. Sure. Um, and and that I guess that also would imply if it comes into contradiction with one of your other beliefs, then one of them has to go. Right. Or could you modify them? Okay, I guess it also depends on the nature of those beliefs as well. Right. Um, because I, I am particularly favor hier hierarchical beliefs. Um, and I don't mean that to say that, you know, or I guess when I say hierarchical, I mean necessarily a case-based belief system. And Because I do believe there are things that, like, for instance, exceptions are a good example of this. Sure. This is, you know, I believe this. Except when. Except when. And yeah. so... In your exceptions, you can actually have beliefs that in the normal general case would contradict your belief right, for but the general rule. But they're exceptions, so it's fine. Exactly. By so definition, that, they're going against the rule. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm a, but I want to make that clear. Yeah. Because I feel so often when discussing beliefs, people will get hung up on an exception and say, Well, you don't believe that then. It's like, no, exceptions can exist. Right. And they are defined in the you have like your general rule belief and then you can actually have exceptions underneath. Mm -hmm. And while these exceptions, I, I don't like the phrase exceptions prove the rule necessarily. Yeah, I don't like that either. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. And I feel like, you know, exceptions can, can go to weakening the overarching general belief as well. Like in most cases, this is true, or I would accept this. And I guess then, if you end up with a situation where, you know, more than half of the real cases are exceptions. I, I think even, I think once more than five or ten percent of the case the re, the, if all the cases that occur are exceptions. I guess it just depends on what your goal is because uh, yeah. if you're gonna because the point of having a general case belief is that when you look at something you're like okay more than likely this is what's going on. Sure well and I think you know general case beliefs are also good for uh, well they're like initial biases as well you know you your biases serve to help you make really rapid decisions before or if you are unable to collect further data, you know. Well, because uh, reasoning is hard and takes time. Exactly. And sometimes you ain't got time and <laughs> you ain't got ability, you know. Right. Like, uh, if you're trying to make a really, you know, quick decision, sometimes you have to use that gut. Follow your gut. Mm -hmm. Which the gut in this case is that's your general case belief or possibly, and, and biases I feel like are a good example of general case beliefs um, that are, that I would argue even occur through the scientific method whether you realized it or not. Sure. Um, so... Anyway, but after you accept that conclusion, you and then this is another most important thing that I think a lot of a lot of other belief systems will try to lock people out is uh, peer review is you know oh they're open to scrutiny you know you have to be you know I, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with making your beliefs public and having your beliefs scrutinized. Um, so and we talked about this in episode one as well. We we did we did. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's kind of the way we develop our beliefs you know, through the scientific method. Right. Right. And uh, 
So now let's get into why the scientific method. Why okay. Is it, why is it so good? So, and I think, and I think in order to establish why the scientific method is good, we need to first examine, like, why why believe anything in the first place? Why why do we believe things, regardless of what it is we believe? Um, and at, at first, this is a this is a daunting question. Well, I mean, you know, I. I, I believe things. I can't help it, you know. But but really, really, what is the goal of, of believing things? Well, uh, beliefs really only matter when they affect your behavior. Mm, that's an interesting. Well, if I assertion, if I believe that, you know, when I cross the road, it's going to be dangerous then this will modify my behavior so that I check for incoming cars to make sure I don't get hit by them. And this will, this will aid me in crossing the road safely, which is a, a goal that I have. Um, so it, it's, you know, and a, to take a, a trope, if you will, a, um, a classic example of, of questions that don't seem to matter is, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Hmm. Who, cares? Yeah, who, who cares? Who cares how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Because even if I told you, even if I could prove to you the answer is seven, how does this change your life at all? I guess that depends on the... Some people, I guess it might actually matter to them. It might change how you answer that question when someone asks it to you, but that's about all it's going to do. True. Uh, that's a good point. Now, I would say that beliefs matter... Not just in the cases, because I think some people might take that to mean it only matters in when it helps when it helps make you decisions. But I would argue that it matters also when it make, when it leads to making bad decisions right. as well. Like that, so, that, that's not implied, but it's definitely true. Honestly, right. in some cases, more you know more applicable than you know just making good decisions. It's avoiding bad decisions, right? Um, in the general sense, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so it, so I guess I guess yeah. So so what I'm trying to establish though is that. We believe things in order to change our behavior or to determine what our behavior ought to be. Mm -hmm. um, because if, a belief that doesn't have any tie to your behavior doesn't matter and you don't actually care about it. Well, not only that, but I think to go even further is, uh, do you think it's plausible that there are those who develop their belief systems based on their behavior? Maybe. And in that case... That's tied to their behavior, but it's not. I guess confirmation bias can do that. You know, if 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 you, you know, if there if there's some task that you do that seems to have a little bit of unpredictability to it, and you, in your subjective experience, have learned well, if I if I tie my left shoe first in the morning, this seems to work out better. If this I may not actually be true, but you'll pay attention every time you tie your shoe with the left, right. or maybe you'll tie tie the left shoe first every morning, and then every time that it works out in your favor, that's just proof that it works. It's like, getting, it's like getting up on the wrong side, getting up on the right side of the bed, you know? Right. Does getting up um, on the wrong side of the bed actually affect your day? Probably not. But if you want it to, and you're paying extra special attention for where it does, then... Then we've added some extra variables here. Exactly. But then again, you know, that you're reinforcing that belief. You know, and you may have developed a belief because of something you subconsciously noticed that may not be actual. You know, 
Uh, but that's still no no good. You know, it's not that it's, it's not just that your beliefs tie you know into your actions. It's that you know, we're, we're also we're not talking necessarily about actions that determine your beliefs either. That that in and of itself right. is its own belief system that I think is discordant and bad. Well, but that, that I guess that is what I was trying to say though is that an example of actions determining your belief is you happen to pay attention to when you tie the left shoe first, right? And you think that you've found a pattern, and so this changes your behavior where you always tie the left shoe first in hopes that it will make things work out in your favor. True. Because you believe that to be the case, even though you really have no good reason to. Okay. So, anyway, so... Back to who cares. <laughs> right. So, so okay. So we've established why, why we should believe anything. So now, if what you're trying to do is determine which behaviors you should you should exhibit in order to, well, based on your beliefs. So now how do we figure out which beliefs give us the right behaviors uh, to exhibit? So this, this is where science comes in. Uh, because with science, if we think that we know something about, uh, you know, this behavior will result in this consequence, then we have a method by which we test this hypothesis. And through sometimes you know, painful experimentation, uh, we, we slowly figure out things that are not conclusively true, but have been true enough times that we, they're reliable. We consider them reliable. Mm. That does beg the question, you know, um, uh, can, you know, this kind of guts, I think, ties bar back into our original, you know, claim, like, about truth, you know. Because uh, we, we've, we've already said that the truth is objective, but it can't, it's unknowable. Right, we can't, we the can't, truth, you know. to, to, steal, to steal a line from our friend Anti-Citizen X, mm. we can't, we can't just pop open a can of reality and see if what we believe is actually true. We can't do this. Right. Science is basically our only window, like, it's the only way by which we can sort of almost open a can of reality because we can at least test our claims against reality to see if they work. Because, he, you know, beliefs are subjective. Our experiences are subjective by definition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm experiencing this. It must be this. It must be this. Well, okay. Um, well, we can at least, we can at least test this uh, through experimentation, because consequences are objective. Right. If I do this, this will happen. This is this is an objective claim. And if it does happen, it objectively happened. If it didn't happen, then it objectively didn't happen, and we know for certain that that belief is false. Right. And you know, this takes me back to uh, back when I was in school for engineering. Uh, you know, we, there was an old joke that was told by uh, an engineering professor of mine. He talked about, you know, he asked, you know, what's the difference between a, uh, you know, mathematician and, a, and an engineer, you know, because we study a lot of the same courses. And the story goes that, uh, you know, you, you take a mathematician and an engineer and you put them on the 50-yard line, you know, a set distance away from, well, he used the example of an attractive woman because this was a mostly male field, but just just say an ideal situation or goal, right? Sure, money. Money, yeah, whatever, anything, anything that both of them would want, you know. 
In this case, I think we could, you know, we could put in the objective truth at the, uh, at the goal line. Okay. Right. Now the officiant walks up and says, okay, I'm going to blow this whistle. And each time I blow this whistle, I want you to move half the distance closer to your objective. And uh, after he states that, he gets ready to blow the whistle and the mathematician just starts walking away. And uh, the guy's like, where are you going? You know, he's like, oh, you'll never get there. And he, at this point, once he turns around and says that, notices the engineer hasn't moved. He says, why, why aren't you leaving? You're an engineer, you should know this. He goes, you know, I, I do know that I will never get there, but I'll get close enough. You know, and, and that's the truth of it, you know, uh, <laughs> pun intended, I guess. Uh, you can get close enough. And that, that's, that's kind of what, you know, that's like doing empirical mathematics. You know, you, you, know you, you keep trying over and over again, and each time you might move a little bit closer to the goal line, acknowledging that you'll never get there, you know, but it's but still... you will steadily get closer. Get closer. And I would say that, you know, approaching that objective truth you know, the closer you are, your proximity to the objective truth, you know, the closer you are, the better it is. Now, that's a whole other thing, you know. Okay, better right. how, why, you know, and stuff like that. But, uh, and that's a whole other thing. Right. You know, um, but, it, but it does bring up the topic of, you know, we, we, all, all the things we've discussed, you know, these various methods by which you develop your beliefs, uh, what we've said about truth, you know, it, it does also begs the question, and we've even mentioned there are different methods by which you can form your beliefs, you know. Uh, if, if, the, if they all have the stated goal, and I think it's another important thing too, I, I know I'm walking, mm -hmm. popping, to pushing topics down, but uh, if your stated goal is, you know, moving that closer to the goal line, getting closer to the objective truth, if that is your goal, and that is why you're trying to adopt a specific belief system, mm -hmm. in that case, you should be able to look at the belief systems that try to do that and see which ones are more effective. Right. Now, before we go into why some certain belief systems are better than others in that case, we do need to address the people and the belief systems that don't actually want that, you know, or that may be their state of goal, but it may not be an actual what they're trying to do. Okay. Um, and, then, and this ties, again, back to our first episode. You know, because a lot of things in this topic are really near and dear to what we are trying to do. That's why we're the right. philosophers. That's why we care about, you know, this explaining why beliefs matter, is it could easily just be entitled, why are we here? You know, why right. are we doing this? Mm -hmm. um, because if beliefs didn't matter, well, why talk about them? Exactly. Um, but, and we, but we talked about discourse in that first uh, episode, because mm -hmm. that's what you and I are trying to achieve. But we also uh, lay this out as a format that we would hope to achieve with other people. Um, but again, if the, that the person with which you're engaging in that discourse, if their uh, belief system that they're trying to discuss with you or topic they're discussing with you, if they're not trying to move closer to the truth, why bother? You know, it's a waste of time. Right. Um, you know, and and there there are plenty of people who who do claim to value the truth as long as it suits their own interests. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make up a belief system here. You know, everyone wants to feel safe, right? Okay. People, people want to feel safe. Um, and so in an effort to feel safe, uh, I declare to myself that the roads are safe. They're all safe. This makes me feel better. I'm not around dangerous things anymore. Especially if you adopt it as 
a truth, then, well, yeah, I, I believe it. So, yeah, the road's always safe. There's nothing dangerous about the road. I feel better. Okay. Now, this, of course, will influence my behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I would like, I now have the goal of crossing the street. You would look both ways and make sure nothing's going to hit you. I think the road is safe. I go. It's only a matter of time before I get hit by somebody. Sure. Or, you know, it, well, yeah, exactly. Or something bad happens, right? Right. And that's when reality crosses with your right belief this, system. This is why this is why the truth matters. Right. Because if you if you are willing to discard the pursuit of the truth to make yourself feel better, it will eventually get you. It will eventually T-bone you. <laughs> So to speak. In your analogy. Right. And it's not just to make yourself feel better. I feel like that's a very common reason certain belief systems are adopted mm -hmm. because it, your feelings like to be... I, I myself even tend to write feelings off from time to time, you know. But feelings have a place. And it's, a, it's an integral part of humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, to quote, you know, I know this is going to be a stupid quote, um, but I like it. I feel good about it. It's a Gene Roddenberry quote, just okay. to throw that out there. But uh, he explained humanity uh, when he was talking about, you know, Star Trek is uh, humanities are half God and half ape. You know, that's what that's what he said. And what he, you know, we have our head in, in the stars and our feet in the mud, but both parts are what make us human. And right. what he, what he's really talking about is your emotions, your instincts, your the things that are more that are less rational about being a human being. Right. Which all exist for a reason, you know. Yeah. I, I will claim that. Mm -hmm. We can go into that later. But that that's what makes us, you know, that's an integral part to the human experience, but also in balance with your rationality. You know, and I, and I don't think well, that... Sure, yeah. If you if you totally divorce yourself from, you know, emotions, you're, you're, you're literally a sociopath. I mean... <laughs> right. And the quality of life, you know, I, you can make the same claim about the truth... Why do we care so much about it? It has to be important if we care about it. Okay, well, life has to be important. Otherwise, you wouldn't try to avoid death all the time. Right. You know, And that's a whole different other assertion to talk about. Mm. But you, I think we can easily draw the line between why finding a good system by which to develop beliefs, it, it's right up there with why you avoid death and try to make your life better. Mm. You know, uh, why humans avoid, and not just humans, almost all living beings avoid pain, or if they can experience pain or negative stimuli like that, you know. Um, we just happen to be approaching it from a much more rational angle of, hmm, uh, maybe I don't have to experience something. I can hold a belief about something I've never dealt with that will help me if I were ever to run into that, you mm -hmm. know. And that's, I, that's what I'm also drawing from your experience of crossing the road is, I've never been hit by a car crossing the road, and maybe I've never seen somebody get hit by a car crossing the road. But as long as you know, I have the belief that it's not safe, I'll never have to worry about it. Right you now, um, and that's just getting us to the point where you know your rationality is accounting for your instincts, you know, and rationalizing those behaviors of avoiding pain and everything. You know, and that's where I'm going to leave it because I've walked way down a rabbit hole, but right. it's an important rabbit hole, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, because it, it it is important. You know. Um, but I think there's more to be said back to our original topic about, you know, 
determining why certain belief systems are better than others. Mm -hmm. Well, the systems by which you develop beliefs, certain of those are better than others, but you know, as a result of that, certain beliefs are better than others. Right. You know, the obvious one that you stated was believing roads are safe. That's an just instance, you know. Hmm. If you believe that roads are 100% safe or you believe that roads are dangerous, both of those are, those are exact opposite. These are competing ideas. They're mm -hmm. exactly competing ideas, and you cannot hold both those ideas. Right. Um, well, not without having a contradiction. Contradiction or cognitive, you know, uh, Dissonance. Dissonance, that's it. Discord. Cognitive discourse. Cognitive discourse. Yes. Especially I do talk to myself from time to time. Yes. Um, I'm sure there are uh, there are other ways. Uh, but anyway, when we're, when we're talking about the, uh, the competing ideas and uh, beliefs and belief systems, I think it's also healthy to try to link in an objective way by which you can rank or you know, evaluate these systems. Because surely not all belief systems are, you know, entirely against the goal of attaining truth. Mm -hmm. You know, we've already locked them out. But there are still, I believe, multiple belief systems that still are actually trying to achieve, you know, or seek the truth or move closer right. to the truth. But some are more efficient than others. Effective. Or more effective. Yeah, there you go. Um, Efficiency doesn't matter. It's what's most effective. Okay, fair enough. I guess efficiency matters a little bit, but yeah. if it takes more than a lifetime to figure out a, the result of a very important claim, it's not a very useful belief system. Right. Mm. Lifetimes. That's a whole other topic. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so now that we've, we, you know, we have an objective marker of a binary, you know, if you're trying to achieve the truth, yes or no, uh, the ones that are actually moving towards trying to find the objective truth or trying to get close enough, now we need to begin differentiating between them. You know, what are the characteristics of those systems? You know, uh, do we look for to try to pick or adopt the most effective one? I guess would be my question. You know, what what characteristic are we looking for in those? Because it's easy to discount the ones that aren't even going in the right direction. But for those that are going in the right direction, you know, which one do you pick, or what? Which one do you drop in favor of the other? Or you know, because they're all moving in a direction, but you want to find the most effective one. And and I, I I would tend to make the claim that uh, uh, I think we have to bring back truth when we begin looking at that. Mm -hmm. You know, these various belief systems. Uh, to give an example, um, binary truths versus fuzzy logic truth statements. Right? They are different. Is one better than the other? Or is one, if something that's been accepted as a truth by a fuzzy logic system or something that's been accepted as truth by a binary system, which one of those things is closer to the objective truth? Could we infer that? Or which one is more, yeah, more effective, I guess. More effective? Going. I guess it depends on the, the, the question. But really, I mean, you know, technically a binary truth system is really just a subset of a fuzzy logic system. Truth is one, false is zero. Right, but if the we know something, if we know something is false, we have zero confidence in it. Mm -hmm. This falls in fuzzy logic. Okay. Now the ternary system, where it's unknown, where does unknown fall? Fifty. Fifty or half, point five. So it is equally likely that it is true and untrue. Right. So in this case, 
could we substitute? Well, okay. See, ooh, so this is that is that is interesting. When you said that out loud, it's equally likely that it's true or untrue. That's not necessarily the case. Because I can make a claim that is pretty outlandish, but we don't actually know the answer to it, and I don't think we'd agree that it's equally likely to be true or untrue. Like if I if I claim unicorns exist. Right. But then again, you know, that's not totally unknown to us necessarily in a fuzzy logic system. Like fair. But the moment you we, make the claim because we've explored most of the earth. So Sure. But but the moment you make a claim and you're using a fuzzy logic system, I think it's unreasonable to expect that anyone will not immediately begin applying biases in a system that's derived on confidence, mm -hmm. you know. Guess what a fuzzy logic system is? is right. it's, it's, it's confidence it's levels. Confidence levels in, in uh it's not ranking how how true something is, it's how much you believe that it's true, which I guess is kind of the same thing with the definition of belief, right? Or how much you're willing to accept something is true. Um, but yeah, so if I think I think well, if you believe something with a less than 100% confidence level, you you still believe it. You still think it's true. You're just not really certain that it's true, right? And I think you could also. I, I think one thing that doesn't get enough either not enough or way too much tension is uh, if I think you could essentially take any claim and break it into enough subsets that you could make each of the subsets a binary assignment, right? So like, let's take the example of do unicorns exist, mm -hmm. right? Okay, that's, that's not simple. That has multiple characteristics. First of all, what's a unicorn? What do we mean by exist? You know, sure. all these things. Um, and so when you get into what is a unicorn, it's like, well, there's no DNA for a unicorn that we can say, oh, anything that has this DNA is a unicorn, right? Well, okay, but we can, I, I can give a pretty workable definition of a unicorn. Go. Uh, identical to a horse, except that it has a horn on its head. Okay, so it is a horse, just with a horn on its head? It has the anatomy of a horse, mm -hmm. except also with a horn on its head. Okay, so what we would need to do is find, uh, so that's now two binary statements. You know, a unicorn A would be something that does does the thing we're trying to determine whether or not it's a unicorn. Does it have the anatomy of a horse? Yes. Okay. True. Does it have a horn on its head? True or false? Right. Anything that checks both those boxes is true is a unicorn. Is a unicorn. And therefore, if you observe it, because you said observe those qualities, mm -hmm. then it is. Then unicorns do exist. Right. Right. Now, okay. But see, then you just run through all the existable things and right. To this date, it is false, you know. Right. And we so, have we have never encountered something or we have never recorded an encounter of something sure. which has both those properties. Right. So that can be broken down into you don't necessarily have to use fuzzy logic. To, de to determine that and say, well, no, not at all. You can just use the binary system by breaking anything down into a simple series of true-false statements that the result of that system is, you know, the ultimate true-false. A bunch of uh, AND gates, essentially. Yeah, it, just, it depends. Well, it really comes down to how well can you define something. A unicorn wasn't that hard to define. There are some things that are a little bit trickier to define, and that's where people get into trouble, is they think that they've come up with a good definition, but then when you actually drill down on it, if you... If you scrutinize it, you find out it's not really a good definition, and it either leads to contradictions or absurdities. Right. 
So I guess that also brings up another thing. If Can you move closer to the objective truth by altering definitions? Can you come closer to the truth by altering definitions? Sure. The, by the mere act of altering definitions? No. Mm, but the mere act... Okay, by now, if you change the definition of something as a part of your belief, well, so that it becomes more useful, like if the definition becomes more meaningful, then that might aid you in discovering more true things. Okay. But it would be... I guess the reason I pose the question is... Uh, I'm going to drop the G-bomb and say God, okay? Because, uh-huh. you know, we got a whole special thing for that yeah. uh, being in the works. But lower G, G, you know, lowercase G, God for a moment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, half the problems with talking about religions that believe in the, the, the God is, or God's a concept of a God, it's hard to pin down what that means. Right. And that's a good example, you know. But yeah, it's like, how, yeah, how would I actually know a God if I saw it? Right, but before even going into that is, can I all, can I propose a definition, like, I'm not going to propose one. Can sure. I make an assertion or about the definition of what God is, and then through the process of you or others, you know, poking that definition out, right? Mm-hmm. And I just keep shifting the definition until... I get to the point where either you can't or you're too tired to keep, you know, I change this definition of the word altogether to mean something that is real or something that you would even accept as a belief. Right. Let, let's, so then, let's say I Peterson you into okay. the, the God thing. Mm-hmm. Give an example. Okay. Is that, does I, did I get any closer to the truth by shaking that definition around based on your... Uh... No. Um, well... But you said, I'm bringing this up because earlier you talked about the game of definitions. Sure. Way um, early in our discussion. Yeah. So the thing, like, okay, I guess it depends on what your final definition you settled on was because normally where this goes is you end up with either uh, something that is, you know, contradictory or you end up with something that is a Tautology, which of course is totally useless. Um, what well, is God? God. Yeah, God is God. Great. Cool. Got nowhere. <laughs> right. But yes, we can agree that God is God. Right. But what does that mean? Oh yeah, I was like, what is God? Well, God is something that exists, therefore God exists. Right. God. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Um. So. I guess. So That's, really, it, it, for me to answer that question, I need specifics, I guess. Okay. I don't really want to go too far but, into specifics. But I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is that, well, even if we're not talking about the existence of a god, um, you know, merely shifting definitions can only change the way that we think about words. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily bring us closer to the truth. I see what you're saying. So you Cause can... I can... Because I can easily just define myself into believing the truth. Right. But what have I really done? Exactly. So I guess it would be important to... We've defined truth. Uh, I guess in this case, it would also be important to... We, we talked about, you know, the measuring belief systems by their effectiveness, right? 
and I'm, I'm tying it all back now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I'd give the flag since we went darn far that, this far down the rabbit hole. Um, so now we, so let's just measure that effectiveness. You know, if I have a belief system that has an effectiveness factor of eight out of ten, just to give it arbitrary value, sure. and there's another belief system that has an effective value of six out of ten, well, there's no reason why I shouldn't adopt the belief system that has the effect of eight out of ten, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, how do we begin quantifying those things? That's the real question I want to know because right. I, being a person who uses the scientific method, I believe the scientific method so far is the best method derived in its effectiveness of moving us closer to the objective truth. Right. I will make that assertion, and I, I would be prepared to defend that claim against anyone who had any questions about that right. or would like to mm-hmm. uh, enter into a discourse, so long as their goal is still to move closer to the truth by trying to disprove me. Right. Right. But how can I be sure that science is the best way? You know, how, how you can't, you can't be sure that science is the best way. There okay. may be a way that we haven't even conceived of that's better. Right. Well, in this case, we uh, went for a long time with a lot of belief systems before science even existed and then science existed. Okay. And we decided that it's better. But how did we decide that it was better? Ah, because it reliably produces uh, models by which we can predict reality and get what we want. Okay. For so, instance, the the computer we're using to record right now would not exist without science. Well, sure. Um, and so, you know, a a a seemingly endless stream of goals after goals after goals after goals has has led us here to where we are. Um, that that we we're testing predictions to figure out things, and then we're like, okay, well. If this is really true, then we should be able to do this. Oh, that worked. Oh, well, then we should be able to do this. Oh, that worked. This happens over and over and over until now we have, you know, modern technology. Um, science, science. We, we can be very confident that science is the best thing that we have for, the best thing that we currently have for figuring out the truth because it is the only system that can produce predictions, predictions quite this accurately. Okay. And Find so, me another belief system that can make something like this computer. Well, yeah, that's what we would want to happen. Right. As people who are trying to attain the truth. Yes, if I, someone I, I believed would, that Sure, system. if you can find another one that can, get, that can do it just as well as science or better, then I'd like to know about it. Now, sure. I think we, by our own system of beliefs, would have to acknowledge that a system could exist that's better than the scientific method. Sure. Right? Well, yeah. I, I don't... You don't have confidence am, that am, it does. I am open to the possibility... Right, that's what I mean. And I have a way by which I could measure it to to um, to evaluate whether it is actually superior. And the way by which you would measure it, <laughs> measure it is its ability to predict outcomes. Right. So what is because that? that is, because that is the only way that we can really test our beliefs against the truth. Okay. Making predictions. Because until until you put pen to paper, figuratively, and say, this will happen, and now you've committed to it, now we test it. Right. And if it turns out to be wrong, you've already committed to it, we have proof that you committed to it, you'd say, okay, well, this is wrong. And just to clear it's that... It's the only way that we can, so to speak, pop open a can of reality 
is by making a prediction and testing to see if it comes true. Right. Well, not only that, and I feel like because I know I've, I've had this happen to me enough, I want to go ahead and clarify it. It's not so much like the ideal goal would be to just be able to say within all, with all certainty, this will happen 100% sure, right? Okay, that's the ideal, right? No, I, I don't know. I'll just... all, Would you all not we... have the ideal? Does he be able to make 100% true claims where any claim yes, you make will always be true? Yes, but my 100% true claim might have conditionals in it. Well, see, that's where I'm going. Okay. Is I will say, you know, the goal is prediction. You know, how, how accurate are your predictions? A system that develops uh, beliefs that are more accurate and less random you know, you can go watch any James Randi video, sure. and that's exactly what he does with people with woo-woo beliefs. You know, um, I, I feel I need to say it because most of the time, when you do look at scientific hypotheses, they they are heavily qualified. Mm -hmm. um, sure, and, well, and, I, I can, and, and even so much so to where you will say something like, "Well, I cannot tell you what exactly will happen." But I can tell you that if you did this thing 10,000 times, it would distribute along this curve with, you know, the distribution of data would be about uh -huh. this curve. Right. And, and that's close. Right. You know, and so that I want to make that clarification because some people, when I make the claim, will, you know, ask me, well, let's try something, you know, which way will this ball bounce if I bounce it this way? And I'm like, oh, it will probably go about that way using just rudimentary trig in my head and mm -hmm. physics. And if it even goes slightly off, they're like, oh, you were wrong. Ha ha. You know. Therefore, but I said roughly wrong. this way. Right, you know, and so keep in right. mind that because the universe and reality has these finicky variables everywhere, you know, it's hard to be exact. But any system that... Well, then you can, you can just compare it. You know, before doing the dropped ball experiment, you say, okay, using my knowledge about physics, I predict it will go, you know, say, within these two angles. Okay. Uh, now, have your challenger give his prediction, not using physics. Hmm. Okay, interesting. All right, uh, let me propose another system then, in this case. I propose, and this is, I guess, just gonna, I'm trying to show how science is trying to constantly move closer to that truth. Mm -hmm. I propose a 30-degree angle range, right? Mm -hmm. And I am right 90% of the time, right? The other, another scientist, physicist, makes a claim with a 20% cone, a 20% angle cone. Mm -hmm. He is also 90% correct. Which of us is more true? Which, which of us has made a claim that is more useful and closer to the truth? Hmm, interesting question. If you both have the same error rate, but he has a lot tighter yeah. restrictions on his, I would argue that his data is more useful. Yeah, his data is more useful because when it is right, it is more precise. Exactly. Then, but then, then we get into okay, but when you're wrong ten percent of the time, why? And when when your uh, when your predictions turn out to be inaccurate, are they inaccurate in the same instances in which his predictions are inaccurate? Right. We can look for overlaps and things like that. Exactly. And and that brings up the other good question is when you talk about confidence levels. You know, I could be incredibly precise, right? The precision of an experiment has merit, right? Mm -hmm. it, it contributes to the potential merit of the claim, right? Like, for instance, if I said, you know, mm, you know, all humans could be female. It's like, right. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, they could be. Could be. Good job. Uh, or I say, you know, I believe that anywhere between 20 and 80% of human beings are female. It's like... Bravo. Bravo. I could have guessed that too. Yeah. But another scientist comes along and says, I believe that it will always be within... I believe that it will be within 45 and... I don't believe it will ever fall outside the range of 45 and 55% different between male and female. Right. That's a, that's a much more strict claim mm -hmm. and, and for many reasons. One, ever... Right, which is usually a flag word for. Mm, I don't know about that. That drops my confidence, confidence immediately when you say always, never, or you know, yeah. any certainties. Like Anytime that. you start playing with infinities, you start getting dangerous. You, you, and you, always is an infinity. You're playing fast and loose. Right. Uh, but they both could be correct if they were both correct in their claims. Every time you run the experiment, 100% of the time, you know. And I think there's something to be explored there too. It's like okay, claims that you would make. And this goes back to your original thing about, okay, it has to have an effect on your behavior. Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, a so there are such things as use useless claims that could be always true. They could be true claims that are useless. You know, It's another weird thing about right. it. But we, we talk about truth constantly with this. You know? um, and we talk about you know, varying degrees of truth. Is that acceptable? Because I'm not saying there is the objective truth, capital T truth, Right? I don't know if I like capital T truth. The truth. Yes. Capital T, the truth. Fair enough. One word removed. I don't, I don't like playing games with capitals, but go on. Whatever. I, but you get the point <laughs> I'm trying to make. Yes. There is the noun truth. Uh -huh. Fair enough. Sure. And then there is the quality truth uh -huh. about a claim mm -hmm. or about a thing, you know, a concept. Mm -hmm. So... Can we use those very, and we've already said that you can use those varying, you know, qualities, or varying quantities of those qualities about an item, right? If we could rank them, could we use those to assign the truth, I guess? That's what we were trying to cap off, you know? Mm -hmm. But with all this talk about truth, you know, the, that's complicated. That's hard to begin trying to quantify truth to something. Yeah. It's incredibly hard. And I would even assert that, you know, what we've spent the last hour or so talking about is all of these systems of truth and belief, and we've totally skipped and moved beyond at this point, maybe even intentionally. We, we talked about who cares in finding the truth, you know, and making a market impact, but, you know, we still have the question of is it good, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a whole other thing, you know. Uh, is the truth good? And that's that's a whole other thing. And I mm -hmm. think that's where we're going to leave it off. I right. think up next week is uh, defining the goodness and truth. And you know, we've explained why we want to seek the truth, but will that lead to a better place? Because people have made the claim that, okay, so what? There is an objective truth, but it doesn't mean it's better. Right. So uh, next week, next week, we'll talk about it. Philosophers. Philosophers. <laughs>